Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. What's up, well, that's good, fam. I am so excited for today. We are interviewing, and I say we because we all in this together. We're interviewing Lisa Turkers for her new book, Forgiving What You Can't Forget. Y'all, this book is incredible. It comes out November 17th, anywhere books are sold, and you are definitely going to want to get this book. I mean, no matter what your life has looked like, this book is going to inspire you. Lisa is amazing. She is a mom of five. She and her husband are just an incredible couple who went through a really hard time, but God has just walked through her through some painful situations and just redeemed so many things in her life that really seemed unredeemable and that really seemed even impossible to her, she would have said. But man, God was so faithful. God was so good. And she took the time to dive into God's word and take him at his word to see a good ending. And so I can't wait for you guys to hear her story. It's going to be incredible. Let's call Lisa. Lisa, I am so glad you were on this podcast, and you are one that I'm very excited to ask the whoa, that's good question to. What is the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Well, Sadie, thank you for that. It's <laughs> actually a Bible verse. I don't know if very Ooh. many people give you Bible verses, but- They don't. I love yes. this. So a long time ago, before I was really even living a Christian life, I came across a Bible verse. It's Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Mm. And I remember reading that verse and I remember thinking, that sounds ridiculous because <laughs> you can't see God. And if I could see God, I wouldn't struggle so much with having faith. But over the years, I started to recognize that blessed is that person who desires to see evidence of God's goodness and faithfulness in their life. And when you desire to see God's goodness and faithfulness and God's hand of activity in your life, then you do start to see God. And so um, I don't live it out perfectly, but Mm. I try to remember when I wake up in the morning and I pray, when I get up from my prayers, I try to remember I just invited the divine presence of God Almighty to do life with me that day. And then I look for his hand of activity and it set my heart on such an adventure of truly learning how to see God. Wow, that is so good. I love that. You know, those Bible verses that, I mean, I know I've read it before, but it's never jumped at me like that. That is so powerful. And it's so cool too, because 
normally every time somebody gives me their best piece of advice, you can see it play out in their life. And for you, even reading this book, like you do see God in like everything. And you even talk about how sometimes that's that's a struggle because you want to like write the story of God before he writes it. But I think it comes from that place of desiring to see the goodness of God in your story. And that that's so beautiful. So I can't wait to dive into just this book and this message that you talk about. I uh, just shared with you before we got on that it truly was so impacting for my own life. And just reading it to interview you was something that ended up blessing me more than I would have ever imagined it would have. But it's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. It's obviously about your life story. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, forgiveness is obviously really a hard thing to do. It's something that a lot of people struggle to do. And then to write a book about it, it would be extra challenging. I know about the book writing process and even that in itself is challenging. And so what made you choose the path of forgiveness, which I know is a huge question to start with? And then how did you choose to write about it? That's such a good question, Sadie. I have to say this message of forgiveness chose me Mm. and kind of chased me down. And I remember one of the early writing days, my team showed up and they were ready to hear some chapters that I'd written and I had not written the chapters that I needed to write because Mm. as I started to sit down and put pen to paper, I felt so much resistance in my heart. And so instead of writing good, helpful chapters, I started making lists of all the reasons why forgiveness was impossible. Hmm. And I listed out things like, well, the other person hasn't said they're sorry. And I don't know if I'm done hurting over this. And if I forgive this, isn't that me saying that what happened doesn't matter? And it very Hmm. much does matter. Is forgiveness me betraying my own feelings? Hmm. Is it me saying that, you know, I wasn't really hurt when the hurt that has been unleashed in my life is not just something I suffered one day, but I'm still suffering because of it every day since. And then when what happened is unchangeable, is it even forgivable? And I had this misunderstanding that I thought the Bible said that in order to forgive, you have to forget, but you know, I couldn't forget. And so therefore I felt like I couldn't forgive. So what we decided to do is instead of me writing on forgiveness first, we decided to hit the pause button on the book and I studied what the Bible actually says and doesn't say about forgiveness. And we spent over a thousand hours studying. Wow. And as I studied about forgiveness, I started to understand where things were falling apart for me. I had a very young, immature understanding of forgiveness. I really had a little girl understanding of forgiveness that I was trying to take into my very adult world. Mm. You see, when I was a little girl, my mom, whenever I would do something to my sister. Now, Sadie, I know you've never done anything to Bella ever never, to hurt her. Never, <laughs> But I, I had a tendency as the older sister to, you know, be mean sometimes to my younger sister. And then she would cry. My mom, the great judge, would appear. <laughs> and she would look at me and she would say, Lisa, say you're sorry. It was wrong for you to hit your sister. And then very authentically, I would say, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's very relatable. And then she would look at my sister and say, now you need to say you forgive Lisa. She understands hitting is wrong. She's not going to do it again. So say you forgive her. So my sister would say she forgave me. And then 
she, my mom would say, now the two of you need to hug and make up. And if you don't stop acting foolish, I'm really going to give you something to cry about. <laughs> and that was a good lesson on forgiveness. However, I never let my little girl understanding of forgiveness grow up. And when I faced mm. some very adult situations, forgiveness fell apart because I kept waiting for the other person to say they were sorry. I kept waiting for the great judge to appear to declare that I was right and they were wrong. And I kept waiting that I felt like the other person needed to learn all the lessons of why they shouldn't have done this so that they wouldn't then hurt me again or hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And so I started to understand as I got into this thousand hours of studying the Bible and forgiveness that Mm. I had a wrong understanding of forgiveness and it changed my life. Wow. That is so powerful. And it's really cool to hear like from start to, I guess, you know, beginning of writing this book that that's the process because all the questions you were saying as to why you couldn't write the book from just reading the book, it was really all the questions that were answered from a biblical standpoint. And so to know that that was where you started, like this is impossible because of this, but then you took God at his word and read the word thinking it said, forgive and forget, because we hear that all the time, but it really says something completely different is, is so huge. And I think a lot of times, you know, people don't, know what the Bible says, but they think they do. So they just assume what it says because they've heard a really good quote that sounded like it was a scripture and they go with that, but it's not, you know, based off of truth sometimes. And so that's where they get a little bit led astray. And so I think that is one encouragement to everybody listening to that, you know, if you're struggling with something, if it seems impossible, the word of God says like all things are possible through him who gives us strength. And so to take it to his word and find strength from his word is so powerful in this book. That's the whole book. I mean, you unpack the Bible so beautifully. Christian was sitting beside me and I just kept saying, dang. And I was like, listen to this. I mean, I read him so many parts that some of the revelation you pulled out just from the Bible was, was huge. Something that I love that you said is you said, God is not a do nothing God. And a lot of people, I do think, say that, why is God not doing anything? And especially a year like this, why is He not doing anything? Where is He? But you claim God is not a do-nothing God. Where, where does that come from for you? Well, I was at a speaking engagement one time, and I was sharing my story. And part of my story that, you know, I, I don't get into all the detail of my story in the book, but you know about what I was facing as you walk through the book and and you follow along the narrative of what I was experiencing in my life. But part of it is that I found out my husband was being unfaithful and it was so shattering and so Mm -hmm. shocking. I held it private for 18 months because I didn't want to invite public opinion into our very private pain. Mm -hmm. But after 18 months, I I thought we were about to cross the finish line and, and be reconciled and then everything fell apart again. And our story was not a neat and tidy story of discovery and then repentance and then reconciliation. It was a very long, drawn out, hard process. And there were so many times in the journey where I felt like it was going to be impossible for reconciliation to happen. Mm -hmm. And a big point that I make in the book is that, you know, just because we experience forgiveness. Forgiveness is a command by God, but reconciliation is very dependent Mm. on, you know, whether it's safe and whether two people are willing to do the hard work to come together. So I was sharing some of that at a speaking engagement. 
And a lady raised her hand and she was also in a very devastating place in her marriage. And she said, I just don't understand why God is doing nothing. And Sadie, I understood where that question was coming from because I knew what it felt like. Art didn't live in my home for two and a half years. So I went from having five kids and a full family life to all of the kids growing up and moving out. And when my last child moved out, so did my husband. Mm -hmm. So I was utterly alone when for my whole adult life, I'd been so, so like my house had been full of so much life and it was so hard. And I knew what it felt like to wake up at two o'clock in the morning, terrified, alone, and having to realize all over again that my husband wasn't home. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and it was just, it was just brutal. So I knew where this lady's question was coming from. Right. But I also knew that just because we wake up every day and we see certain realities in the physical, that's not the full story. Everything that we see with our physical eyes is what we are experiencing here and now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, God is always operating in the spiritual and we may not see it, but we don't have to see it to believe that he is doing something. I combed the pages of scripture and I realized with God, there's always a meanwhile. There's always what we're experiencing. And at the same time, there's what God is doing. And here's where I get in trouble. And you mentioned this just a minute ago. (laughs) I love to say, you know, with God, all things are possible. And then I love to look at a hard situation in my life and run ahead of God and write out the script of all the good and all Mm. the possible that God should do. And (laughs) then I want to hold God accountable to my version of good. Yeah. And when God doesn't follow after my script, I can wrongly assume he's doing nothing when Mm. in reality, he's very much doing something. It just wasn't the something I expected. But here's the good news, Sadie, that God knows better than we know. Here I am on the other side of this journey with art and through a series of just crazy miracles, God did bring us back together. But God never listened to one of my suggestions. He never followed after my plan because my suggestions to God could have only caused change behavior and art. And God mm-hmm. was after rescuing his soul. Yep. So he did it differently, but he never was doing nothing. He was always doing something. I just couldn't see it. But we have to know God does his best work in the un. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. 
That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Insane. That is so good. Come on. Somebody needs to rewind that about 30 seconds and listen to that whole thing again. That's so powerful. I quoted this from the book because I thought this quote was so good and it's what you were just talking about. It says, you can't edit reality to try to force healing. And um, that's kind of what you were talking about, the whole sometimes want to play out all the things that God could do that would make this possible or that would make this good. And I think sometimes even in just our Instagram, blog world, you know, we do that. We want to edit things to make it sound better, look better, but you really walked out the process of healing and forgiveness. And I wanted to ask you this question that you really laid out in the book. And this was something that really was a pivotal moment for me as I was reading, because you talk about just the hurt that you're going through, but at the same time, the forgiveness that you were giving. And so I think a lot of people might have this question too, like, can you forgive someone and that thing that they did still hurt you? You know, Sadie, that is such an excellent question because I think we've wrongly understood that once we forgive, all the hard feelings go away. And, you know, just because we forgive doesn't mean that we've then attended to all the emotional healing that needs to take place because Mm -hmm. forgiveness is both a decision and a process. Mm -hmm. So we make the decision to forgive And sometimes our feelings haven't even signed on for that decision yet. Mm -hmm. But we don't do it by overriding our feelings because forgiveness is not based on our determination. Forgiveness is our cooperation with what God is doing. So as God's forgiveness flows to us, we make the decision to forgive by letting God's forgiveness that flowed to us flow through us. That's great. And so we have to understand that that forgiveness is a decision and a process. We forgive for the facts of what happened. That happens in a moment in time in obedience with God. Mm -hmm. But then we walk through the process of forgiving for the impact that that had on us. That process of forgiveness is where we tend to all of the emotions and the emotional debt created. And if somebody causes you a $5 hurt, then the process of forgiveness will probably be pretty short. But if someone Mm -hmm. causes you a $5 million debt, emotional debt of hurt Mm -hmm. in your life, that process could take a lifetime. So what my counselor helped me see, and I also, in addition to studying what the Bible says about forgiveness for Mm -hmm. a thousand hours, I did so much counseling. I had to do a lot of counseling. But what my counselor helped me see is that I used to get so aggravated because I would forgive someone and then a month later I would be driving down the road. I would get triggered in pain and Mm. then I would be angry and bitter and frustrated all over again. And then I would feel like a forgiveness failure. (laughs) So I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Triggers are very inconvenient because you can't time them. So, you know, if I could say on Tuesday night at 7 PM, I'll be sitting in my bathtub. That would be a great time to have a moment, a triggered moment where I have to process something emotionally, Mm -hmm. but that's not the way it happens. It happens like in the middle of everyday life. I mean, I'll be five minutes from getting on stage to do a message and suddenly something happens. Somebody says something, I see something and I get triggered in pain and it's so inconvenient. But what I've come to understand is that that is not 
an act of cruelty by God that we can't forget the ways that we've been hurt. Mm -hmm. The hurt stays as long as it needs to be tended to. Mm-hmm. And when we get triggered in pain, that's just a reminder by God, there's more hurt that's sitting in our heart and we can have another marked moment of forgiveness. I forgave them for the fact of what happened, but now I must forgive this person for the impact that this had on me. Wow. And I always add this little statement at the end, and whatever my feelings will not yet allow for, the blood of Jesus will surely cover it. I love that. Because like I said, you know, sometimes our feelings won't sign up for this. Right. But that's where we cooperate with this gift of forgiveness that God allows. Wow. That's so powerful. It's such a good way to say it. And what my feelings, you know, won't allow. I know that the blood of Jesus will cover. I actually quoted this to that I love from your book. It says, hurt feelings don't want to cooperate sometimes with holy instructions. And that's so true. But allowing God to come into that, those hurt feelings, you know, to forgive is so powerful. You had a crazy physical experience too, physically painful experience in the midst of this emotionally painful experience. I know with your colon and even with cancer and just several different things, but something that I really stuck out to me was just the revelation that you kind of got about pain, that the pain is actually what saved you in that experience. Can you kind of share that story? Because I think even though it is so hard and it's even unimaginable to, when you read the book, it's like, how did all this happen? But what God showed you in that was huge. Sure thing. So, you know, when we have hurt that's sitting in inside of us, hurt that goes unattended too long and that just sits inside of us too long will eventually turn into hate, bitterness, you know, just huge traumatic emotions. Mm-hmm. And I read a book one time that said the body keeps the score. And that really does happen when we have all of this emotional trauma that sits inside of us. It can really cause a lot of physical damage as well. And that's exactly what happened to me. Mm. I woke up about six months into this journey. I woke up one morning and I went to step out of bed and collapsed beside my bed. I was in Mm. so much pain and I couldn't even stand up. So I yelled for someone in my family to come and help me. They rushed me to the hospital. The doctors hooked me up to an IV to try to get the pain under control right away and started giving me pain medication, but nothing was helping. So they decided, because I was in so much pain, to admit me to the hospital. And they were running tests, but all the tests were coming back that I was okay. So I -hmm. laid in that bed in excruciating pain, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Wow. Finally, on Friday morning, a doctor came in and said, Lisa, we ran one last test and we finally figured out what was happening to you. Your colon has detached from the abdominal wall. It's twisted Mm -hmm. around itself and cut the blood flow off inside of you. And we are going to have to go in and remove most of your colon. And then he said something to me that shed so much light on this struggle I was having. I had been struggling so much thinking, God, where are you? Why aren't you taking away this pain? Mm. If I had a child that was in this much pain and I had the ability to take away their pain, I would. So why aren't you doing that, God? And that's what I'd been struggling with that whole week. But that doctor, right before he left to go to the OR to prep for surgery, he turned around and he looked at me and he said, Lisa, 
I know that you have been asking God to take away your pain, but I'm just telling you that if God would have done that, then you would have gone home. We would have sent you home. The only reason we kept you here in the hospital is because you were in so much pain. The only reason Mm -hmm. we kept running tests is because you're in so much pain. And if God would have taken away the pain, we would have sent you home. Your colon would have ruptured and you would have died. Wow. And so I realized in that moment that God loves us too much to answer our prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. We just have to trust when we are walking through pain, we can't try to figure out as we navigate our pain, is God good? We have Mm. to state at the very beginning of our journey, I know my God is good. My God is good to me and my God is good at being God. Therefore, Mm. I can filter everything I'm facing through that truth and I won't get lost. Wow. That is so powerful. That's so good. I need to do that in my own life. That's amazing. When you talk about in the book about forgiving God, that's something that looks like such a shocking sentence to me, I feel like. What does that look like to forgive God? What does that mean to you? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Well, Sadie, I know it is kind of shocking because, (laughs) you know, you think, well, God's never sinned. So Mm -hmm. God, you know, do we have to forgive God? And the reason I titled the chapter Forgiving God is because I think that's where a lot of people are when they go through something hard. Mm -hmm. And we know that our God is big and is strong and is powerful and is mighty and all capable. And so when God doesn't do what we think he should do, or when God allows something and we cannot possibly understand why God would allow this, we can not only feel hurt toward the person that hurt us, but we can feel hurt that God didn't prevent this from happening. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a situation like that in your life. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hard, you know, it's Mm -hmm. really, really hard So what I had to do is go through this process of, do I need to forgive God? I have some really hard feelings. Mm. It's all around me not understanding God and me not understanding why, if God saw that this was happening, why didn't he stop it? Mm. And so in the chapter, I really take people through a process of understanding It's not that we need to forgive God. God doesn't need to be forgiven, but we do need to process our hurt Mm. around what God allowed. And at the end of the day, it really takes us on a journey of understanding that God does have good in mind, but he also is a God that allows us to walk through things that don't feel good or seem good as we are on our journey with him. And that's where faith comes in and Mm -hmm. that's where trust comes in. And I can look back now, Sadie, and I can see so much more clearly 
what God was allowing. And I kept asking God, bring art home. Hmm. But God loved me too much to Mm -hmm. bring art home before God rescued his soul. Wow. And I kept saying, just bring him home, just bring him home. And I think God loved me too much to bring Mm -hmm. a broken version of art home that would have betrayed me and hurt me again. God did bring art home, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. until God had really done some work on art, that art became the man that loves me the way that God wanted me to be loved. That's so powerful. That's beautiful. And even just seeing, I I know I got to see you in art recently, and it's so amazing to see all together and just the strength that you two have in one another now again, and probably even a newfound strength. I wanted to ask you this last thing because there is a shift in y'all's relationship and in y'all's even just the whole process of getting back together. And you talk about that shift being the vulnerability that you shared. And there is also a shift in the communication going from shameful things to hopeful things, shameful words to hopeful words. What does that look like for y'all and then for other people going through maybe a similar situation? How do you shift from speaking words of, of shame to really breathing words of hope and life over each other? Well, good question, Sadie. I want to also state that sometimes forgiveness includes reconciliation and sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But God's redemption is there no matter whether we experience reconciliation in our human relationships or not. And because of God's redemption and the redemptive work that God does in our life, we can change the way that we speak about situations and that we speak to people. And so I had to let God show me before I ever knew if Art and I were going to be reconciled or not. I had to let God show me how do I pursue redemption, God, so that I don't always tell this story proving how hurt I was, but I want to exchange that proof of hurt for wisdom and perspective Mm -hmm. that can help other people. And one day I was studying in Genesis. And if you've ever spent time with me sitting around studying the Bible, you know, I go back to Genesis just about every time I study the Bible. (laughs) But I was reading in Genesis 1 and 2, and then even Genesis 3. And suddenly it occurred to me that when God said, it is not good for the man to be alone, So he created a suitable helper for the man. Mm -hmm. What in the world am I supposed to help with? What does that mean, Mm -hmm. suitable helper? Mm -hmm. And when I studied that, it means that the woman is in full view of the man and she is reflecting back to the man almost as a reminder to him. And as I started to think about that, I was like, well, what am I supposed to remind him of? And as I looked at the story, Sadie, I realized man was made from dust. Now think about this. Mm. Dust is something that we brush away, we brush aside, we don't Mm -hmm. give very much thought to, right? Mm -hmm. We just clean it up and move on. And yet God breathed his very own breath into this seemingly insignificant dust and yeah. and out of it created man. So man is not just dust. He's also <laughs> breath of God. Wow. And I think as women, we are supposed to speak that over 
these men in our lives, whether it's our fathers, our brothers, our husbands, you know, can you imagine if we could look at them and say, you're not just a sum total of the mistakes that you've made Mm -hmm. that equals shame, but you are also breath of God created by God to be a reflection of goodness and glory of God. And you're supposed to shine that out everywhere you go. And yes, you've made some mistakes that points to the dust reality of you, but you are also breath of God. And so if I speak that over them, then imagine the man then reflecting back to the woman, you're not just broken off bone. You know, when we see a carcass on the side of the road, and I know some people take that those things home and decorate with them, and I get that. But for the most part, when we see dead, decaying bone, we don't think it's a treasure. What do we want to do? We want to bury it. But a woman is not just broken off bone, meant to be buried. A woman is also touch of God, design yeah, of God, hand made by God. And so can you imagine if we could stop the echoes of shame that are hindering people all over the world? And if we decided to participate in the divine echo, speaking life over one another, telling these guys of ours, you're not just dust, but you are the breath of God. And then them echoing back to us, you're not just broken off bone, but you are the touch and design of God. Mm -hmm. And this divine echo would change Mm -hmm. all Come on. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. I'm like getting so excited over here. It's crazy. Like, I mean, reading the book and then hearing you talk, this message is just in you. Like, I'm like sitting here about to start clapping when you started talking because it's like she's going there. Like every part of the book that I just love is just flowing out of you because it's in your heart. Like the Bible talks about there are good treasures stored up in the good man's heart. And it's, it's just so in you. And so Lisa, thank you for the a thousand hours. Thank you for the wisdom that you poured in to be able to pour out and for just going to counseling and just staying in the marriage and you and arts reconciliation. I know you said that doesn't happen for everybody and that's true. And there's so much hope in this book, even for that story, if that plays out in your life. But for y'all's reconciliation, it's been a beautiful thing to watch and to read about and it's powerful. And so thank you for just who you are, for your whole family. You guys are amazing and doing such incredible things. And we're so, so thankful to be you guys' friend. Well, thank you, Sadie. I feel the same way about you. And I pray many, many blessings over you. I think, Sadie, the person I just described who is committed to speaking out the divine echo, Mm -hmm. I think you are one of the strongest voices of that. And I am so proud of how you speak truth and life over your generation. Oh, thank you. That's like the best compliment I could get. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Welcome, Welcome back, back to, to the Well That's Good Podcast. Who practice that way too much? Only one time, actually. Yeah. Don't let her fool you. All right. We are reading the good and bad advice sent to us by the Whoa That's Good Podcast Instagram account. Thank you to everyone who follows along and sends in good and bad advice. It keeps us very entertained. And no advice. We and still no appreciate advice. You. <laughs> no, we don't. We kind of do. As human, I guess. Okay. No, we appreciate all of you. Thank you for sending good and bad advice. Here is what we got. Question everything. Very simple. Question everything. Question everything. I don't think that's good. I don't think that's good about it. I don't even get in what context it's like. Well, okay, from a questioner. 
I get you, okay? Because I do question most everything. I don't think that's good, though. I think at some point you have to just trust God and begin to trust people. But I think there is wisdom to questioning some things, you know? I think some people naively jump into things before they thought about it, before they ask questions. Mm -hmm. And questions can save you from a lot of trouble later. You know, Mm -hmm. asking questions up front can save you from questions you would have found out months later from people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's good to ask questions, but not if it's in a, like— untrustful almost like i don't trust you so i'm going to question everything i'm going to question every move i don't trust yeah. anybody the government's up to get me like you might not want to take it that far you know yeah and i think definitely discernment can kind of coincide with questioning and i actually heard something this morning it was a quote by spurgeon and it said discernment is not necessarily the difference between right and wrong it's the difference between right and almost right whoa that's good yeah i was like that's really profound. that's really good i yeah. like that a lot all right, just live a little. Is that a Kenny Chesney song? Is it? Live a little. Mm-hmm. You always say every episode that Christian has to say. I might be gifted in singing. <laughs> you know, you might hit a talent. I can harmonize. There. I just can't sing. You but can? just live a little. I'm a type one on the Enneagram. So in health, I go to a seven, which means kind of the uh, adventurous. Adventurous. Yes, you always help me with that. So just live a little. I think that. It's not bad advice necessarily, but I do think, you know, if it goes into the idea of like, just live a little, have some fun, go live in sin, then I think it's horrible advice. Yeah, because a little normally turns into a lot. Um, But yeah, it can be good. Everything is good normally in context, you know, like you can make that a good thing. Like for somebody like Christian, who at times can be very like, this is what we're going to do. This is the way it's going to be done. Like sometimes it's like, you know what? Just live a little. Let's just go for it. Let's just have a good time. Yeah. There's somebody like, Hey, just live a little, come to this party, come just have a drink. Like that is just like starting a conversation with the enemy, you know? Horrible advice. Don't don't listen to that person. Become the person you're looking looking for for is is looking looking for. for. So I think like become the person that who I'm looking for is looking for. So like I want to become a man. Oh, that's good. That's good. I like that a lot. I actually think that Mike Todd's relationship series, which we listened to before we dated, talks about like before the person and like preparing yourself to be the person who you're going to be in a relationship before you enter a relationship. And that was great advice because I feel like by the time Christian and I met, Mm -hmm. like obviously didn't have it all figured out. And obviously we walked through a lot, but I was like prepared to enter the relationship that we were going to enter because I was like confident who I was. I Mm -hmm. had like the job that I knew I wanted to do. I like Mm -hmm. knew the type of person I wanted to marry. And so I had like a guidance of like life and who it was Mm -hmm. going for instead of just like floating around thinking like, oh, I hope Prince Charming like lands on my doorstep one day. You know, there was like a preparation there. Yeah. I think when you come to terms with who you are and who God has called you to be, I think you're able to walk in that confidence and the person who's looking for a a person like you, then you can, you can be confident. Yeah, that's great. All right. Last question. Focus on discipline before desire. That's good advice. I know for me, a few years ago when I first started kind of following Jesus that I definitely desired him, but it was only as well as the practical points that I made to read or to pray, to want to go to prayer things, go to attend church and do these things with Bible study. And over time, that discipline really cultivated my desire. Yeah. I even think about that even with like social media. Like honestly, I had the Bible app on my phone and 
like you don't always like want to click on your Bible app. Like you just want to go to Instagram or you want to go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. And it kind of is a discipline to be like, actually, I'm going to choose that first. And every time I do, I get lost in it. And I'm so glad I did. I'll start Mm -hmm. reading somebody's Bible study that they wrote, or I just get lost in a book of the Bible. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm like done with my time on my phone. And so sometimes that discipline, something that starts as a discipline becomes a Mm -hmm. a true desire. Um, So I think that's great advice. So good. Yeah, I think that's great too. And I think too, you don't want to get into make it a, a habit to where it becomes like, like a legalistic religious kind of mindset but i do think that if you create healthy disciplines that they can definitely form your desires yeah so good thanks for sending in good and bad advice to the what's good instagram page keep following along and send us some more advice and maybe we'll talk about it goodbye Thank you so much for listening to the Whoa That's Good podcast. I have so much fun doing this. I hope y'all have fun listening. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Legit Sadie Rob and follow the podcast at Whoa That's Good Podcast. Head on over to liveoriginal.com to see when I'm in a city near you or visit Live Original blog on our online store, which carries my exclusive Words by Sadie Rob line. Also, be sure to subscribe to my podcast and leave comments so we can hear what you're loving. Also want to give a special shout out to my audio engineer, Marcus DePaula, the whole team at United Talent Agency, and my Live Original team. You guys are awesome, and hey, so are all of you too. Thanks so much for listening.